Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show from the Gas Digital Studio in New York City, where we're here doing podcasts. <clears throat> we did a bunch of stuff this week. We did Flagrant. Two with Andrew Schultz. We did the Compound Show. Uh, what is it called? The Compound. The Compound with Josh Brown. With Josh Brown, uh, CNBC, kind of. I think so. Affiliated. Something to do with that. Um, and uh, we did Alec Baldwin's podcast uh, on the Patreon. We talk a little bit about that. A charming, engaging fellow who reached out and had me on. Honored to be on the Alec Baldwin podcast at such an important time. To show solidarity with a Long Island legend, uh, Alec Baldwin, truly, because he's being attacked. Mm. He's being there. It's a pylon, and it is cancel culture. That is, I believe, what he believes it is, and I'm taking his word for it. He did have an incident. What are you going to do? This is a, the world is complex. I don't think you could say that the guy wanted what happened to have happened. He was on set. Somebody put a bullet in a gun. He shot a gun. A woman lost her life. This is not anybody's goal. This wasn't anybody's goal. This was something that happened. Now, you might say, why is he back to podcasting so quickly or working? But he's got to work. He's got to work. What's he going to do? He's probably facing a lot of lawsuits. I don't think he'll be charged criminally, but there's probably some lawsuits. And he may have to pay some money. So he's got to work. And we talk about that. He has me on his Show and it comes out and we'll see. I don't always agree with what Alec Baldwin does. I seldom do. You know, I mean, he be behaves in some interesting ways, but he is a charming, engaging, fun guy. And in a world where we've lost fun, uh, he's fun. He's a lot of fun. There's many opinions about him. And his activities, but one thing he is, is a good time. And that'll come out. I don't know when it'll come out. We don't know. Don't no know. one knows. And hopefully uh, his situation gets straightened out and everybody can move on because it's a tragedy and a woman lost her life. And, you know, you know, it's um, bad. Another thing that we uh, is bad right now is what's going on with Spotify. We've been following this. Everybody in our business has been following this over the past week. Spotify is in a heated battle. They're embroiled in a major controversy because they are hosting right now exclusively the biggest podcast in the world, Kill Tony. And... Tony Hinchcliffe, if you remember, had an incident a few months ago where he's had a few choice words for an Asian opener of his as a joke, as a bit, and he's become one of the biggest media stories in the world. Neil Young and Joni Mitchell have pulled their music off Spotify because they continue to host Kill Tony, the biggest and most influential podcast in the world. Tony Hinchcliffe has uploaded videos to his Instagram trying to clarify some of his positions and uh, apologizing for past use of the N-word. 
And Spotify, the CEO, Daniel Eck, has said, we are standing behind Tony Hinchcliffe and Kill Tony. Why are you laughing? What? Why? I mean, it's a serious situation. No, I know. I'm, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be serious. I don't know why you're laughing. I thought it was something totally different. What do you mean? I thought you were doing a bit. But what do you mean it's different? I thought that Spotify was hosting the biggest podcast in the world, which is the Joe Rogan Experience, and Joe Rogan used uh, some choice words on uh, the, in the past twelve years of the show, and they made a compilation. Uh, this uh, musician India Ari put a compilation out on Twitter. She put the compilation out. Yeah, it's it. It doesn't look good. It's him. Did she make it? Uh, no, this has been on the internet. So for this has five to do years. with Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Is his show bi even big? It's up there. It's up Is there. it as big as Kill Tony? Uh, well, Spotify acquired the Joe Rogan experience for like $100 million or something. Well, then how much did Tony Hinchcliffe get? Uh, how much money did they have? I don't think they're doing great. So you're telling me this whole controversy is about Joe Rogan and not Tony Hinchcliffe's uh, Kill Tony? Mm -hmm. Yeah, out of context, him saying the N-word repeatedly in a 30-second thing. A well, I know that, folks. <laughs> This is a, a bit. I'm aware of that. Who knows more about that than me? I know about that. But what I did was I threw your red herring to keep it interesting. Some of you maybe don't know what's going on. You were led down a, another path, but that's not the accurate path. It is about Joe Rogan's show. You know... He's got powerful enemies. A lot of people dislike him. And a lot of people don't like that he has 11 million people listening to him. And a lot of people would love him to be deplatformed. And they want to get rid of him. And those people probably, some of them are in the White House. Some of them are in Congress. Some of them uh, have a lot of money. They're in the private sector. Some of them are celebrities and musicians. And I believe this is somewhat coordinated to a degree. Not, I'm not overly paranoid about this, but I do believe there's some effort, there's a push to get rid of Joe any way they can. Whether, whether it's he's a racist, without any evidence, he's transphobic, no evidence, he's um, anti-vax, a little evidence. <laughs> Tiny bit. But not all of the vaxes. He's had some conversations about this particular one. And on the third dose, when Israel has been dosing people, there are three or four doses in, and they've got the highest rate of Omicron mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. The idea that the vaccine has worked as well as we wanted it to when it comes to preventing transmission, it is not controversial to say that it hasn't. It certainly seems to have kept people out of the hospital, which is great. But the idea that it's worked exactly as planned, that it's gone exactly as planned, isn't true. And Joe's had a few people on the show to uh, discuss it. And those episodes have gotten millions and millions, tens of millions of views. And people are upset. And Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, Nils Lofgren guitarist for the E Street Band or Springsteen. Mm -hmm. That's right. India uh, Ari, David Crosby, kind of. I don't know if he even owns his music or not. Uh, Mary Trump as well. Mary Trump, Roxanne Gay, <laughs> writer and podcaster Roxanne Gay. They've all said, let's get our music off Spotify because we want to take a stand with uh, the people that, these people that wrote that letter the scientists and the doctors, who when you look into it aren't all practicing doctors, right. but they wrote a letter saying, Spotify, that's disinformation. It's disinformation. And you're allowing it to happen. You're allowing people to speak in a room, and you're allowing other people to listen to it. Jen Psaki, who's the White House communications director, uh, do you have a clip of this witch? Jen Psaki literally goes, they need to do more. They, she goes, Spotify needs to do more to kick the guy off. Mm -hmm. 
This is the White House press secretary telling a private company she she would like, or the White House feels it's their position that a private company should do more to censor and maybe ultimately get rid of uh, a podcaster on their platform. This is, uh, I guess it's somewhat unprecedented. I can't remember this happening before. It's a somewhat unique situation, but I know that, you know, the FCC had their problems with uh, Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh and people always wanted them off the air and people have always wanted everybody off the air. But this seems like a unique situation where you can kind of, you know, these musicians are in a unique position to squeeze Spotify and pressure Spotify. Uh, So now there's disclaimers on episodes that come out. um, And I believe Joe said he's going to work to have some more neutral or, uh, you know, some more opposite viewpoints. Mm. If he has somebody that's critical of the vaccine, he's going to have somebody on the other side of that who is pro-vaccine. He he said that in his video Mm. that he uploaded to Instagram about this. He's in a shitstorm. He's in the middle of a shitstorm. People are coming at him from all angles and all directions. They all have an agenda, and he's trying to navigate it and do the best he can. He's the biggest, one of the biggest entertainers on earth now. He's completely transcended the world of comedy. He's one of the most famous people on the planet. There are leaders of foreign countries tweeting about this. It is a national news story for over a week, every day. The White House is weighing in. Uh, It is so big. And I am so incredibly jealous of this. I am so incredibly jealous of this man and his ability to continually be in the news. I, what would I have to do to get anything on this level. I mean, I have chased my whole entire shit career, the type of attention that he is getting right now. And it's impossible for someone like me to get. They won't even let me get big enough to be hated and attacked. It's the one thing I've always wanted to be threatened by the white house press secretary, to be deplatformed, to have Roxanne gay, pull her podcast off Spotify because of me. And I can't, it doesn't happen. I want Jair Bolsonaro tweeting that I'm doing the right thing. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm in a fit of jealous rage at this publicity. It's amazing. His ability to just keep, what should I do? I'll go out and say, cancer is not real. Tell me what to do to get this level of publicity. I'll say AIDS was good. Tell me what to do. I'll say being gay is a choice. I'll say abortion, uh, people that have them should be hung in a public square. What can I do? I don't even think it's that fucking controversial to say that the vaccines didn't work that well. But that seems, that's, I guess, the ticket. Yeah. That's what draws you the ire of all of civilization. <laughs> Everybody gets mad and they only want to talk about you. They only want to talk about him now. It's all about him. What about me? What about others? Where is the oxygen left to discuss my progress? How well I've done? The followers we're getting, the show that we've built, our massive stature on Patreon. Where is our shitstorm? Where are our meetings with lawyers? Where are our tense late night conversations? Where are my apology videos? I'm left out. Fucked over. Again. I mean, that's my takeaway from this. That's my frustration here. Do you understand? Hassan Piker buys a car and it's going to trend on Twitter five days. I've bought multiple cars and crashed them. I've lived in five houses in the last year. 
What's the problem? Now, do you have this Jen Psaki clip? I gave you enough time. Yes, uh, it's New York Post one. Could you pull that up? Can you pull that up? Thanks, Natalie. Thank you, Natalie. Oh, not uh, the the New York Post one that I sent. The, Thank the most you, recent sweetheart. one. If you refresh the email. Thank how you. do we get a, how do we get on the how do we get on a board here? Christ. Every day I'm just in the background like a nothing. Just some piece of shit who puts on a wig and says he's a dead senator's daughter. Can we get a little volume? Does the volume come with it or is that yes, extra, dear? Thank second. you. I don't know if it comes with the rental fee of the studio. Maybe extra. That's okay. GasDigitalNetwork.com, folks. A lot of fun shows there. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Seeing comments uh, on Spotify, and he said that tech companies have an important role to play in stopping misinformation because the, uh, they are the predominant places where misinformation spreads. Um, Spotify is putting out uh, advisory warnings on episodes that have to do with COVID-19. Does the White House and the administration think this is a satisfactory step, or do you uh, do you think that companies like Spotify should go further than just you know putting a label on there to say, hey, go do your own, you know? check this out, you know, there's more research you can look at, you know, scientific research regarding COVID. Sure. Well, last July, I, I, you probably know, but the Surgeon General also took the unprecedented step to issue an advisor on the risk of misinformation in public health, which is a very significant step. This woman's and very pale. that, he talked about the role social media platforms have. So our hope is that all major tech platforms and all major news sources, for that matter, be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID-19. That certainly includes Spotify. So this disclaimer, it's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call right. out and mis and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information. I mean, look at the facts, right? You are 16 times more likely to be hospitalized if you're unvaccinated and 68 times more likely to die than someone who is boosted if you're unvaccinated. That's pretty significant. And we think that is something that unquestionably should be the basis of how people are communicating about it. But ultimately, uh, you know, our view is it's a it's a it's a good step. It's a positive step. But there's more that can be done. More that can be done. Jen Psaki, the White House going more that can be done. What a pale woman, very pale. It's uncomfortable when someone's that pale. You can see their veins. You can see the blood running through their veins or lack thereof. Um, they want to do more. Well, what, what, what would be more, Jen? They've got a disclaimer for the adults. If you're a child... And you somehow get on Spotify. Should we put a child lock on the phone? There's already, a, they have that, right? Don't they have an app? Yeah, yeah, sure. They have an app protecting the children from Spotify. Because, you know, the kids, they want to listen to Robert Malone for three hours. <laughs> Young, impressionable uh, teenagers, they want to listen to Robert Malone on Joe Rogan. So it's a real danger. Now, adults who are, no are not responsible for their behavior anymore... They don't. If you're an adult now, whatever you do or don't do, vaxxed or unvaxxed, dead or alive, fat or thin, on fentanyl or not, whatever you're doing at any given moment of the day is no longer your responsibility. It's because some podcaster fucked you over. Some podcaster said something and you took it to heart and now you made a choice that got you killed because you listen to a podcaster because that's where you get your information from. You're an adult in America. And you have to be protected from people that put on headphones and talk into a mic two or three times a week because they uh, are your only sole source of information. And uh, they'll, they'll get you killed. 
These podcasts are dangerous. They'll get you killed. Apparently, you just start dropping dead. People are dropping like flies. They listen to a podcast and they go, oh, well, that guy made a good point. I'm going to do that. And then you die. That's what happens. You die because you listen to what the podcaster said. So uh, Jen Psaki, uh, this pale woman from the White House, and Joe Biden, who's not making statements, and we don't know where he is, but are totally okay, healthy, a virile, focused president, Joe Biden, unable to pass the Build Back Better Act, makes very few public appearances, the corpse, the skin suit, Joe Biden, okay, the guy who, like, designed the 94 crime bill, okay, that worked out well for people of color. Uh, that guy, uh, Jen Psaki, wants Spotify to do more because the last thing, God forbid, an adult listens to a conversation that they can't handle. They hear it and they go, I got to do what that guy said because that's the way people behave, I guess. I don't know. That's the way people behave. People uh, behave that way. Well, what are you going to do? People behave that way. They can't They can't be trusted to understand and deal with the information that they get and go and find other sources of information. And maybe people's decision-making is complex. Maybe they make decisions for many different reasons. Maybe there are many variables to their decision-making, perhaps. Maybe adults have many different rationalizations, justifications for any single decision they make, whether it's to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated, whether it's to be healthy or not be healthy, whether it's to use drugs and alcohol, whether it's to be respectful of women or other races or gay people or trans people. Whatever you decide to do with your life, and hey, maybe it is uh, more than a podcast that uh, gets you to that point. Perhaps, maybe, speculating, merely speculating that people out there are perhaps motivated by several different factors. You can't hang it all on a one guy who did a few episodes. You can't hang it all on one dude, especially when the thing started and Trump goes, here's the vaccine, and the Democrats go, I'm not trusting that. I don't want that. That was a, that was a little quick, wasn't it? And then uh, they kick Trump out, then Biden's in, then they go, the vaccine's great. We love it. Take it. You don't get, uh, you won't get it. You take it, you got it. Okay, well, you're fully vaxxed, you won't get it. Uh, uh, you got it, but you won't get sick. You'll be asymptomatic. Well, now you're sick. Well, you're not going to spread it. Well, you spread it. So it's like... Kind of. And by the way, the fight is over. No one cares anymore. You're either vaxxed and boosted. It's over. It's, it's done now. Studies are coming out saying natural immunity lasts 18 months. People are done. Uh, you know, the UK just opened up. Can you bring this up? Yeah. The UK, that rainy hell where they eat fish pudding is ahead of us. They've opened up, I think, with nothing. No mandates, nothing. They're free. Yeah, mask rules, everything. Mask rules, all of it's done. And the idea that we're still in this heated debate about vaccines, we're not. It's been settled. So this attack on Joe, I don't think is about that. Mm -hmm. I don't really think it's about that. I think it's about we don't want this guy around for the midterms, for the next election. We just don't like him in general. Mm -hmm. We don't like that somebody's got this level of power. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go find everything he said. He's a comedian who's talked into a microphone for 12 years. We're going to find everything he said. Um, and he does this whole thing with the N-word. And I'm going to say Nutella instead of what it is. He has said Nutella a lot of times on his podcast. He was quoting other people who used the word Nutella. He never called a Nutella a Nutella. He never did that. He never said, hey, you're a Nutella. He never did that. He said, the word Nutella is interesting. You know how he does mm -hmm. <laughs> Nutella, man. It's an interesting word, man. Because some people can use it, and it's fine. But then other people say Nutella, 
and they're racist and it's bad. <laughs> and he was quoting people who had used the word Nutella. Mm. Now, we all know Nutella's a no-no. You don't say Nutella. There's a compilation of him where it's literally Nutella, 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 and and sometimes Nutella. A lot of the times it's Nutella, which is worse than Nutella because Nutella it's like, hey Nutella, but Nutella is a bad one, and they're all bad, and I don't use that word. I say Nutella. So. And then he did something where he went to go see the movie Planet of the Apes. And he got out of a car. And he was in an area where there was a lot of uh, African-American people. And he said, hey, it really looks like Planet of the Apes here. Uh, and he said, it looks like we're in Africa. And again, it's a he made a joke. It was an off-color joke. And people flipped out about it. And they're trying to... People make racial jokes! People do it all the time. People make jokes about blacks and Jews and Puerto Ricans and other races too. People shit on Russians, Catholics, Irish, Italians, Finnish, Dutch. Why not? Mexicans, El Salvadorians, Armenians, white people like Ben... From some Dust Bowl shit nowhere place. People have all these jokes. Uh, Koreans, Japanese, Asians, Chinese. Everybody has jokes about different races because the races are different. You see? Now, we're all human beings. We're all the same. Brady said Oh. What was that? Where was that? What's that? She's calling you a no, 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 not Just, that, not no, that. No, no, we can't do that. I, I sent the Planet of the Apes clip. Uh, they'll kick us off YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We make a lot of money. We're not like the people <laughs> in the studio. We make real money here, please. We, we, yeah, she I'll thinks take it's a note okay. of that. I'll no, no, I, I, I got it. Listen, we, we got real money. I love these people, but no, we're not. Come on now. We can't. She just started to play the Nutella clip. She's a sweet woman, but I mean, they're going to yes, kick us off this YouTube. One, this one, this one, scroll up, Natalie. Honey, we've got things to lose. Natalie, scroll up. This Planet of the Apes uh, clip is what I was talking about here. Yeah, yeah. Let's not even play that. Okay. Don't play that. Sorry, right. Why keep spreading uh, whatever? He's explained it. It's enough already. Yeah, yeah. My point, let's go back to me. My point is that people make fun of races all the time. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge deal. Depends on your intent. Mm. People do it all the time. Racial humor. You know, nobody's ever worked a shit low-wage job. I've worked a lot of shit low-wage jobs with different races that make fun of each other every day because it's a fun way to meet, make new friends. Now, people that go to Harvard don't do that. People that write blogs, they go to these faggy liberal arts schools. I suck cock, I can say it. And those people don't ever do those types of jokes because they don't, they don't really like dark humor or gallows humor or racial humor because they don't need to because they're privileged pieces of shit. So they like very like, you know, urbane, sardonic, kind of like unfunny, uh, you know, repartee. And it's very, they're very careful not to offend anyone. But in a lot of shit jobs I've worked where people weren't making a lot of money, people like to joke around about stuff. And it's funny. It's fun. We used to work with a ton of Muslims. And there was a black guy once and this, uh, one of our supervisors was a Muslim woman. And he said uh, she was mad at him because he was late. And he goes, man, she going to blow the bus up. It's funny. It's fun. Relax. No one cares. This is 5,000 people on Twitter care. No one cares. It's not a big deal. There's, there's, you pick and choose your moments. You could get punched if you do the wrong racial joke in the wrong setting. It's not a good idea to just start throwing words out there. But just the general idea of different races. Uh, now listen, racial humor is also a little antiquated. It's a little older. Mm -hmm. People have moved on. I don't really do any of it in my act. I, I, I mean, I have a joke about Saudis, and uh, but it's funny. And it's like, oh, yeah. uh, but, but the vast majority of it, yeah, time moves on. People move on. People evolve. Things evolve. But racial humor in and of itself doesn't make people racist, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't just make... People that do jokes about gay people doesn't mean they hate gay people. 
But we're living in a society now where everything's literal because people have lost their minds. They've forgotten the point of humor, which is to make this hellish experience a little better, a little lighter, and a little more fun. So I saw the Nutella clip, and I understand why people got angry about it, but they need to relax. They could release a clip where he says faggot a million times. Mm. Hey, what am I supposed to do? Did it hurt me? I'm hurting my life. I, I, I got my life. I if someone on the internet says something and it really hurts and angers you, you're a loser. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If somebody on the internet can get to you that deeply, and it, 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 it's not about you, it's not about your family, they're not threatening to kill you, they said a word you didn't like, and you don't even know the context that they said it in, if it really sits with you, like if you're, it could be a mild annoyance, you could turn it off, go, I don't like that, but if it really sits with you where you just can't get on with your day and it's really day, I think you gotta look at the life you're living. And go, why am I letting people affect me like this? Why am I letting a guy who's using a word in context, it doesn't mean it's the right word to use in that context. I don't know all the context. But why am I letting it, why does it bother me? Why do I get angry about something like that? You could play faggot compilations all day. I don't, it doesn't bother me because I have things to do. Do you understand? I got shit to do. I'm not sitting there, you know, going, that person doesn't think I'm a human being. I don't care. Stop caring. What's wrong with you people? You know how short life is? Stop caring. Stop being invested in what strangers think uh, or what words they say. It's silly. What a horrible way to live. You'll be miserable every day of your life without fail. If you just get offended at everything people say. If they say it to you, it's a different story. If they say it about you, it's a different story. If they're using this word, I'm not saying you should celebrate it. I'm not saying you should go, good job. I'm saying you should walk the other way. Like it, online, you ignore it. Because they'll face consequences usually for it. Mm -hmm or they'll evolve and stop using it, or they'll continue to use it, and you won't be affected at all because you have a good life that you've created that has nothing to do with them. That might be a good way to do it. Let's talk about this professor at NYU. He came out hard for pedophilia, and it's... Uh, it. Sometimes when people say this, they go, say, oh, they're trying to normalize pedophilia. You go, oh... It, maybe we're exaggerating, mm -hmm. right? Uh, this doesn't seem to be an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. This guy goes full bore here, and the quotes are crazy. They're insane. And he's, he's, he's from the State University of New York. State but, University of New yeah, York. Yeah. He's under a review or something? Mm, yeah, yeah. His name is Stephen uh, Eliza Kirshner. Blue on Twitter turned me on to this. You follow her? No, no, no. Human trafficking advocate. Uh, let me get a Twitter handle. She's a fun follow, and... Uh, you know, she covers a topic that a lot of people don't. It's Eliza Blue, B-L-E-U, like blue cheese. I also like that she, that's her name. Mm. And she's a human trafficking survivor, and she advocates on behalf of victims, and she compiles news that a lot of people don't care about, like missing kids and shit like that. Mm. Um, and then this guy, uh, this professor kind of goes, he goes off the deep end, <laughs> and I hate to laugh at this because it's really horrible, but you can only kind of chuckle at someone's insanity at doing this. But for 25 years, he published a paper in 2001. Quotes of the article. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. These are the direct quotes from the uh, <clears throat> State University of New York professor, uh, Stephen uh, Kirshner. Whatever. He teaches libertarian philosophy and applied ethics. There at, you go. Libertarian philosophy. Yeah. No driver's licenses, private roads, and then eventually. <laughs> You know. So imagine that an adult male wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. 
A very standard, very widely held view is that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it's in fact wrong. I think this is a mistake. And I think exploring that why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult slash sex and statutory rape and also fundamental principles of morality. He goes on to say, let me scroll down here. Uh, he says, Fun class, huh? So, what class was this even? Was he, you know what I mean? Like, where did he just break it? Where did he just go into this? Uh, one of uh, some of these quotes are from a podcast he did with some guy, and the guy's like agreeing. It's with him. always the podcasts that get everybody in trouble. So, in one of the clips, he says, "No one cares about this." Right, right. He goes, "One is even if you're looking for a threshold. Let's say there's a threshold. I'm making this number up, but let's just say it's at age eight. Still, that tells you that some adult sex is permissible. Now, what's interesting is Rogan is having this guy on tomorrow, <laughs> and that's what I respect about Joe. Fly into the storm. Keep going. Okay. Uh, uh, second, the notion that it's wrong even with a one-year-old is not quite obvious to me. There are reports in some cultures of grandmas uh, filleting their boys to calm them down if they're colicky. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but this is sort of a widely reported uh, as occurring in at least a foreign culture, and it working that the grandmas believe that this actually works. Yeah, well, there's this guy, and he is uh, employed at the State University of New York. And again, it's you know, I'm not a cancel culture person, but I will say that is certainly a position to take. It is... This is probably his... Seems evil. If you're going to give him a strong argument, here's probably his strongest argument right here. Okay, so he makes an odd comparison of youngsters, ta uh, youngsters taking part in athletic activities. He says... They might think that children can't be willing things in general. It's an odd view in that they seem to will things all the time. They will participation in kickball. They will uh, be showing up and participating in bar mitzvah lessons, bat mitzvah lessons, he says. You might think, well, maybe there's something distinct about sex that they uh, can't really understand it. It's not clear to me that what they're not getting at is consent. So that's kind of his... Uh, well, I don't know that that's a great argument, Benjamin. Um, he says, I suspect that uh, what they want to say is that they're willing participants. They're hey, voluntary. they play kickball. What's the problem? Well, that's a fun professor. Would he go and rape my professor? Is that one of those? You go, my professor was fun. But then he started talking about fucking eight-year-olds, and it got a little weird. He's real cool... Doesn't care about lateness, not a stickler on note-taking, but I'll tell you right now, when he starts going off about the kids, it gets a little weird. Well, odd. 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 That these are opinions that are, are happening, and, uh, you know, they're out there, and it's... Um, it's uh, rather disturbing. We're on the road, by the way. I want to talk about this a little bit. We're shooting a special in Denver on March 26th at the Paramount Theater, and Ben is going to direct it. So if it looks like shit, it's his fault. Mm -hmm. Ben's never really directed anything before, except all of the videos we've done, but you've never done any comedy specials, right? No, never shot a comedy special. This will be your first time. That's right. Do you feel any pressure? Tons, yeah. You yeah. should feel tons of pressure. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't sleep. I The first, when you asked me to do it, I didn't really sleep the first day. Yeah, I was very nervous. Well, I, you should be very nervous. But I didn't start smoking again. So that's good. well, that's good. Yeah. Congratulations! But we're concerned with the results of the special. Whatever substances uh, you uh, are partaking of are of no concern to me. Our concern only again is with the results mm. of the special, which you are doing uh, for the first time. We have a lot of faith in you. Thank you. I stand by you, like Daniel Eck. I don't care what others say about you. I stand by you. But we will. My skin is so fucking, it's from the cold in New York. It just feels like it's going to fall off my face. Um, we're shooting it on March 26th. And then we're done. Then we've got some U new UK dates that have just been rescheduled. Mm. Where we're going to Ireland, London, and Glasgow, Scotland. And we're doing those dates, and then we're done. We're off the road for a while, and we're focusing on the podcast and some other things that we have planned, some cool shit that we're going to do. Let's talk about 
Some of these dates, just do it quickly. Where are we going to be? Phoenix this weekend. February 10th through the uh, 12th. You know I love Arizona. You know what I love about Arizona? What's that? Is that it's a horrible. Uh, Those are almost sold out. Not not all of it. Not all of it. But enough of it is horrible. Mm. But not every part. I like Scottsdale. Where else am I going to be? Uh, then you're going to the Tampa Theater in Tampa, Florida, February Tampa. 17th. That's a Thursday. You know what's good about Tampa? Everybody goes, Tampa's next. It ain't. But I like Tampa because it feels there's a great sexual energy. Mm. There's a lot of strip clubs and sex shops, and it's always sweltering hot. Mm. And people are down to fuck on the west coast of Florida. It just is what it is in that sense. There's sexual energy in Tampa. I would even say it's a little... You know, Miami has like that whole... It's very sexy overtly, but Tampa has an underground kind of sex dungeon feel that I like to consensual dungeon. Lock yourself in. Um, Tampa Theater, and we are excited to be down there. And then you go right over to Orlando. Uh, Orlando's Florida. fun because we're doing the Disney Theater. Mm. The Disney Theater in Orlando, and I have a lot to say about Disney. Uh, that'll be February 18th and uh, February 20th yeah. in uh, San Antonio, Texas at the Majestic Theater. Now, San Antonio, what's fun about that is it is one of the fattest cities in America. People are truly four to 800 pounds, any one of them. Um, they, they are the size of cars, mm. and they move uh, like cattle, the way they just kind of get in there. And I like that. That, to me, is good. And I'm in, I enjoy that, and they have great Mexican food. And everything you eat there just explodes in your stomach. You just get every meal you get fatter in San Antonio. You never get smaller. You just expand like a hot air balloon <laughs> till you eventually can't fit in your car. And then you got to get a bigger car. And then you got to get a bigger car. And then you die. But I like San Antonio. So buy tickets to the show. Uh, then you're heading to uh, Portland, Maine on now, February 23rd. Now, here's the problem we're not really selling well in Portland, Maine. Oh. I'm going to be very honest with you. A lot of people aren't buying tickets in Portland, Maine. And part of the reason is that all the men in Portland, Maine, most of them have vaginas. Um, It is a very confused place. Uh, Portland, Maine is for, you know, it's kind of the worst people in the world. It's very, very left-wing in a very annoying way. There's only 50,000 people that live there. It's devoid of any culture. Fuck your lobster roll. Shove it up your ass. It's devoid of any culture. I'd rather be in Kenny Bunkport performing for the bushes at a human sacrifice than going to fucking Portland and, and, and entertaining these fucking substitute teachers, socialist losers. But... It's what I have to do because we were doing it to be in conjunction. I didn't go. I want to go to Portland, Maine. We were in Toronto and my uh, agent, Faticus Finch, was trying to find gigs that uh, would go around Toronto. So we found Portland, Maine. And I was a little maybe confident that certain people in Portland, Maine would enjoy uh, fun. But we've uh, uh, figured out here that Portland, Maine... Uh, you know, it's a 2,000-seat theater. And what have we sold? Can you get the numbers up? Yeah, let me get the tickets. You got 500 tickets? I mean, it's uh, abominable. It is an appalling showing in Portland, Maine. Because um, let's see. So they hate me. Portland, Maine, uh, we have uh, uh, 533 of the 1,900 sold. Here. 533 tickets sold of 1,900. Mm. So I, I don't know what we're going to do here. Can we bus in people that live outside of Portland, Maine, to go see the show? Mm-hmm. Should I start paying for transportation? <laughs> Maine is, a, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of blue-lip fentanyl addicts peeling potatoes. And then you also have the, the, the rich lobster people. on. A, but other than that, there's not much going on over there. Mm-hmm. Everybody there is, is, is fentanyl white, meaning just Chen Saki white, kind of pale, ghostly and they have chap blue lips, and they just want to take a couple of pills and fall on the floor. And I understand that, but they're not coming out to see the comedy show, and it makes me very upset. It makes me very sad. Um, so please, if you can, buy tickets to the show in Portland, Maine, because I don't want to be there, but I have to be legally and contractually obligated to uh, uh, be there. What can we look up Portland, Maine? What 
Has anything been invented in Portland, Maine? Has anything come out of Portland, Maine? I much rather Portland, Oregon, the rainy uh, uh, Thai food Antifa stronghold on the West Coast. I actually loved it there. The audiences were great. And if I dye my hair pink, I'll have three to five blocks under my control by midnight tonight. Mm. I like that. It's a fun city. Uh, we got uh, the machine gun. The machine gun came out of Portland, Maine. Mm. Well, don't bring any of those. Uh, the zigzag stitch. Oh, okay. Which is a sewing-related invention. between Right. The, okay. uh, earmuffs. Earmuffs. Mm. Oh, Farmington, Maine. I can't claim that to Portland, but. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and it seems the oven came from Maine, too. So, And the sealed dive suit. The sealed dive suit. You know, the dive suit with the big uh, big helmet? Yes. The well, one. great. Buy the tickets to the fucking show, please, because otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. Where else? Uh, then you go right to Providence, Rhode Island. On Love February Providence, 24th. Rhode Island. I like white people who struggle. And Providence, great Italian food, great old mob town. Again, heroin, horror, dark. Bleak, decrepit, decaying, all the things that are requirements to really enjoy a dose of my outlook and worldview for an hour mm -hmm. are present in Providence. That is good. I like Providence. Don't clean it up before I get there. That's always what I say. And they never do and never will. What's next? Uh, you head over to a place called The Egg in Albany, the New York. The Egg in Albany, 26th. New York. Albany's uh, nothing, but The Egg is a great theater. It's a great theater. Now, we are selling tickets there, so if you're in Albany, New York, or God help you in, like, Troy, or one of those de-industrialized hellscapes that we've uh, allowed people to live in and fester um, while globalization has completely destroyed and hollowed out their lives and communities, if you're one of those people crawling on the floor of an old house, you know, looking for pills that might have dropped a few months ago, trying to find a stray Vicodin on the kitchen floor, heating up a 7-Eleven dinner, and you can stick someone outside the mall for $39.95. Come on down to the show. You're going to love it. It's for you. Concord, New Hampshire, February 27th. Concord, New Hampshire. Who even cares? <laughs> Just buy the tickets. Uh, Toronto, uh, Meridian Finally, Hall, March 16th. the psychotic government of Canada is going to allow us to do a show in Concord, New Hampshire. Finally. I mean, no. <laughs> Having a stroke. Nutella! Um, what's happening here is that we're able to do the show in Toronto. Finally, we've had to move it twice because they've cut the capacity and go... It's a big theater, and they go, you got to only have half the people. I go, we can't do that. It's not fun. Mm. It sucks. So what we've been able to do finally is get you know a show on in Meridian Hall in Toronto, and there are still tickets left for Meridian Hall in Toronto. This is the end of the tour. This is it. And then we're done. We go off the road, get at home in our beautiful new studio, which is great, looks great. People love it. And then we're good to go. We're able to take a little break, breathe, focus on the internet, film some shit. I'll get some new material in the comedy clubs, and then maybe we'll tour, I don't know, later. My agent thinks the fall. I don't think I'll be ready by the fall, but... Yeah, it's like four months to get a new hour, right? Yeah, it's not going to happen by the fall, but yeah. that's okay. Whatever. But he can start a podcast. Invest in yourself. Move to Austin. Uh, then you go to Baltimore, March 18th. The day Baltimore, after that. March 18th. Let's get the tickets going in Baltimore, too, because I do love Baltimore. I love the food. I love crab cakes. And uh, I'm a big fan of Baltimore, D.C. I've performed there a lot. I did a lot of shows in Maryland. Uh, I remember I did a show in Anne Arundel, Maryland, with this guy. And the mic was going in and out. There was this crazy guy, right? And... We used to go on the road with him, and he brought us on the road to this county, Anne Arundel County in Maryland. And we're staying at this guy's house or somebody he knew, mm -hmm. and he, he knew this guy whose house we were staying at, like some friend he had there. And we were staying, and the friend had just broke up with his girlfriend who lived across the street, and she left him and literally walked across the street. 
and he was a very depressing guy, and it was very sad. And I was trying to make conversation with him later on, and I said, I was like, hey, dude. And he was just sitting there, like, kind of catatonic through the whole comedy show, which was not going well. It was in, like, this, you know, VFW hall in this suburban Maryland. Yeah. And the only thing that was working was, like, local jokes. And one guy got up there. He's like, yeah, you ever been to Dundalk? And everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm up there, and other people are up there. We're bombing. And, it's, you know, thank God the guy did the local joke. You need someone to do that because we were bombing. And, like, the mic would go out, and then the mic would come back on, and the people looked sad. They, go, they liked it. The only laughs we got, the only smiles, was when we were talking into the mic and then trying to figure out the mic. And they went, <laughs> because it was funny. Because they could see oh, we were panicking. We didn't know what to do. And that was funny to them because they hated when the mic went on and they could hear what we were saying. But when it went off and it kept going off, it was like a funny bit. They might have even thought, oh, this is the bit. I like this. Good. And then the mic would, you know, go back on, and they'd go, "Well, I don't like this part of the bit." So there, so I go sit down after my set. My set was one of those where it's just, "Whoa!" You're sweating. You're like, "This is not good." And you sit down. And I turn around to this guy, the friend of the guy that uh, brought us to the gig, the, the guy that we're staying at his house, the guy whose girlfriend left him and walked across the street. He sold scoreboards to local high schools. That was his job. I said to him, I was trying to make conversation. I went, hey, you've got Waffle Crisp and Cinnamon Toast Crunch in your house. That's pretty cool. And then he just looked at me. He turned around. He turned his head ever so slightly to me. And he goes like this. He goes, there's no milk. It's expired. And then he just, again, catatonic, just straight on, watching another comedian fiddle with this broken microphone in suburban Maryland. And that was my life for years. For years and years, you would do things like that, and then you'd write a funny Facebook status about it, and everybody would go, fuck yeah, man, that's great. You're living the dream. Like, I, we met a friend of mine from Long Island the other day. He was very sweet, great guy, and I grew up with these guys. We were like best friends, and just connecting with someone and having a lunch with them. But everyone in Long Island, everything is so tragic that no matter what anyone talks about is like very sad you'll be like you know you know how's frank doing and he goes oh frank's good frank's good frank and his wife when and they say it so nonchalantly he goes you know frank and his wife went on vacation in the bahamas and she got a rare parasite she actually had to have half of her stomach removed so she can't really eat anymore. If she eats more than three bites of anything, she has like violent acid reflux and she just starts to aggressively burp. So what, they, what they're doing is they're bringing her in for major surgery. She's got to kind of learn how to eat again like a child, but Frank's doing great. And you go, and you're eating, you go, oh. He goes, Frank's doing great. And you go, you, know, you ever see Sarah? Sarah. Sarah's as fun as ever. She met a guy and he died in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> he was her one true love. They got married. Two nights later, he had a massive relapse, got on his bike and killed himself. Sarah's doing really good. She's working over at uh, the grocery store. Oh, the clams are good. Have you had the, have you tried the clams? The clams are very good. It's never ending. Uh, the hell there. But it's also very impressive the way people just handle it. Like LA, everyone's a pussy. They can't handle anything. They can't handle a word that I don't lie. <laughs> These people are watching their friends and family members die <laughs> in front of them every day in like final destination ways. Nobody in Long Island dies in like a regular way. These people are dying of rare cancers, four-car pileups, construction accidents, rare diseases, this wild shit, and they're just soldiering through it. And it's really impressive. They're soldiering through it, you know? And, and you soldier through the lunch. <laughs> you, you fight through that lunch because it's, you're getting the reality of what it is. You're getting the reality of what it is. It's not what you'd want it to be. It's what it is. And it, but it was good to connect with that person. And hopefully I see them again. But it's like, uh, whew, 
You just got to be prepared for a gray Long Island uh, uh, lunch over at the Fish Hut. You go over to Clam Shack in the rain, and you're going to get an earful. And you're just never quite prepared. Oh, yeah. No, Michelle's good. Michelle's doing really, really good. She's on chemo now, and she has been for the last four months. It's not, she's stage four and a half? I'm like, what's stage four and a half? He goes, that's when every day they do last rites. So every day they come in and do last rites, expecting her to die, but then she'll live through the night and they come and do it again. So we've gone to like seven vigils for her. We're expecting maybe next week, but we don't know. Oh, but she's, I mean, good spirits. Great spirits. She looks great. She's lost weight. You go, oh, well, that's nice. But it's good to reconnect with people, but it's also time to get the fuck out of here. My flight was delayed again. I'm sending him to Austin. I'm staying here another night, going to see Chris Stefano at the Beacon Theater. Did a fun Patreon episode with him, patreon.com, uh, the Tim Dillon Show. If you're interested in any of the bonus content there, our, our Rothschild tier, our higher tier episode with Ray Kump. Our once a month video episode is out on that as well. Buy products because that supports the show. It helps us out when you have um, used the promo codes and buy the products, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have a few more dates here too. You want me to read the last Oh, four? yeah. For the, the, I'm just pitching products. I'm trying to pitch products and the guy doesn't. They give him all the free shit. I don't need it. <laughs> so he gets it. Him and the wife get all the free stuff because they like freebies. I do apologize on Are You Garbage? And this is, you know, I, I, I was just showing off. But on Are You Garbage? I told everybody how much I gave you for your wedding. Oh, nice. I mean, I, and I, it's, I don't want to anger you because I know you hate your money being out there. But it's really not about you. It's more about me. And it was a fun moment on Are You Garbage? Mm. But it's, it, it's not to offend you. Mm. It's not a lot of money in the way, in, for me or what I think. But it's not to offend. Are you offended? Did, did you say the real answer? What do you mean? On the podcast, or did you do a joke answer? No, I told the real answer. Oh, you did? The real answer. Why? How did it come up? I think, I think you, 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 they were asking me what I give to, for people, what do I give mm. to people for weddings? Mm. So I told them what I gave you, mm. which I think is a nice amount. And I know that you get offended by that, right? Aren't you offended by it? Uh, slightly, yeah. But now, so why are you offended by it? I mean, it's not, it's just private, right? It's just a private thing, right? Do we not bleed for the people? <laughs> do we not bleed on the stage for the people? We do, we do. Our I guess it's fair. Our lives are in the in the tabloids now nowadays, I guess. Are they in the tabloids? Well, the new tabloids are the, the uh, these sites like Reddit and these things. Oh, you know, people. are they the new tabloids? I suppose so, right? Really? Hot take. Finish the dates, please. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Parks Philly! Casino. March Parks 19th. Casino. You have fun because it's a comedy and gambling. What's good is you you come a winner, you leave a winner. It's good. Come, gamble a little bit, uh, smoke, drink, make merry, comedy show, mm. whatever you want to do. They pay you a lot in casinos because they know you people are going to come in and gamble your hard-earned money away. And then eat cheesecake and go up to the room and do drugs. Uh, then you're at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Ryman Auditorium, uh, Auditorium in Nashville. I have been excited about this show for a long time. I've said bad things about Nashville. Bygones. Mm. Um, I've said bad things about everywhere. New York, LA, everything. Um, what, I, what I'm really excited about is this show because there are great audiences down there. It's just a little too... Live, laugh, love for me with the, you know, with the, everybody's a blonde with the Ugg boots mm. and enough. Mm. But, you know, Nashville, I'm excited for the show big time. Uh, then uh, the special, uh, March 26th and in Denver, two it. shows. March 26th in Denver, two shows. And then what is the, uh, our, what is the UK dates, new UK well, dates? I don't think those have been uh, confirmed right, yet, yeah, but it, they'll be early April March probably. 26th, two shows. Tickets are really flying. People want to be involved. Ben Avery directing the special which will probably go on YouTube because Netflix is not buying anything maybe we'll put it on Spotify what do you think about this Spotify controversy how does it end how does it end it you're is, a mind i guess it it 
statistically. Good job. Ben Avery, everybody. That's his take on the Spotify controversy and how it may end. Good way to phrase it. He's got a good turn of phrase and he's going places, the kid. TimDillonComedy.com for all your needs. Buy tickets to Portland. May not kill myself. Uh, uh, we'll be we'll be back soon. Alec Baldwin podcast coming out. Are you garbage? Love those guys. That's coming out Monday. Flagrant Two is out right now, heading towards a million views. And uh, back to LA soon. Maybe Hassan Pike will try to squeeze me in his Porsche. Good night. <laughs>